Retailers, are you ready to attend the hottest party of the year? During NRF Week, we're hosting our invite-only New York City cocktail party, and you'll connect with our top retail influencers and global retail leaders. This will be a night you'll never forget. January 16th, join alongside 200 of the industry's best at the Rethink Retail Bash. Visit rethink.industries slash bash 2023. I am Morgan Petty, Lead Retail Analyst for Rethink Retail, and I also serve as Interactive Experience Director at Frank Mayer. Today, we're going to explore the latest in-store trends and holiday predictions. We're going to take a look at what's really driving these out-of-stocks and overstocks, and what CPG brands and retailers can do about it. We're also going to uncover some merchandising and execution strategies that will help retailers and brands get the right products on the right shelves at the right time. And every time I'm going to introduce you to our awesome panelists today, quite a bit of uh, firsthand retail experience among our panelists here. So welcome Matt Martin. He serves as VP of product strategy and strategic growth at Movista and has a significant retail experience, including with Sam's, right? Tell us more, Matt. Sure. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Uh, again, my name is Matt Martin. I'm the VP of product strategy for Movista. I've got 20 years of experience working in retail. So I spent a, many years of my career at Walmart and Sam's Club in their corporate headquarters. Really kind of, I spent time in just about every functional area of retail across merchandising operations, e-commerce, across the board, marketing, spent a lot of years in that, in that area as well. So have, have also spent a number of years working at retail in um, international markets. So I spent a lot of time in the Asia market in the South America market. And so I got to see retail from different perspectives, different cultures, and that landed me here, here at Mobista. So excited to be here today. Awesome. Yeah, very excited to have you. And, and Brad Barrett serves as VP of Operation at Sazer Workforce Solutions. Brad, I know you have a ton of uh, firsthand retail experience too, and you work with retailers very closely. So yeah, uh, welcome, Brad, and introduce yourself, please. Thank you so much. Lots of experience and the scars to prove it. So it seems like more than a lifetime in retail to me, but it's been very rewarding. I spent uh, almost three decades with Walmart Store Z, primarily in store operations, store level, district, regional level, a couple of different stints in the office. Been with Sasser Workforce Solutions based out of Raleigh, North Carolina for about three years. I am the VP of operations here, primarily responsible for account management, field operations, and our recruiting and deployment teams. Glad to be here, Morgan. Yeah, great to have you. Yeah, I can't wait for these insights already. We also have Mike Byers, who serves as Senior District Supervisor at Nintendo. Welcome, Mr. Byers. Uh, can you introduce yourself, please? Hey, yeah, thanks. I'm Mike, and I'm out of Richmond, Virginia, and I've been in retail for a little over 30 years, uh, initially with everything from selling Christmas trees to toys. And about 22 years ago, I landed with Nintendo on the merchandising side of things and have been servicing all pretty much major brick and mortar accounts that sell video games over that time and have had the chance to do a lot of different things in that field and find new ways, such as working with Movista, to uh, improve what we do on a daily basis. That is awesome. And based on your experience, I think the holiday discussion makes perfect sense. Great to have you on. Thanks. Uh, 
And also last, but definitely not least here, we have Lisa Amlani, principal and founder at the Retail Strategy Group. A ton of experience, including Ralph Lauren for you, right, Lisa? Tell us more. Well, like Matt and Brad and Mike, (laughs) I spent also over 20 plus years in retail from design and merchandising all the way to planning and strategy. In 2018, I shifted into retail strategy. And as we said, I'm principal and co-founder of Retail Strategy Group, where we help brands and retailers increase profitability and organizational effectiveness across merchandising, product creation, and go-to-market strategies. And I'm also the co-founder and content creator, along with my partner of The Merchant Life, which is our newsletter. I'm sure that all of you have enjoyed the read. You know, we like to add a little bit of humor in our retail world because we know that, you know, retailers don't love change, but we're, we're, we're hoping that they're going to make some changes, especially after today. I love it, Lisa. And great <laughs> newsletter. Definitely subscribe. Thank if you. you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're doing a great job. And, and you're keeping it humorous. I love, love this spin that you're putting on. It's very challenging, so it's hard to see through those challenges, but great to add a little humor when we're looking at not only the challenges, but the opportunities. So welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining us. We are going to start by setting the stage. So we're going to start by talking about the current state of retail. So some interesting stats, um, somewhat hard uh, hard to swallow some of these, but again, we're going to focus on the challenges and the solutions here. So holiday 2022 is expected to be the feast or famine, as quoted by a recent USA Today article. While some retailers are dealing with overstocked inventory, some are still facing shortages due to uncontrollable issues, including manufacturing disruptions in China or labor challenges. In fact, labor challenges are quite a significant issue. According to a recent McKenzie study, almost half of U.S. frontline retail employees and two-thirds of frontline managers say they're thinking about leaving their jobs in the next few months. That's pretty astounding. And one thing that's on everyone's mind right now, inflation. Despite those inflation concerns, holiday sales are still expected to increase. Most shopping is expected to happen in store this season. So this holiday season, Deloitte has predicted sales to total $1.45 to $1.47 trillion between November and January, with only about 18% attributed to e-commerce. Meanwhile, and and kind of in line with that expectation, Forrester has predicted um, $943 billion in sales between November and December, with 76% of that revenue coming in from in-store. So all of this signals that it's very important, almost more important than ever, for brands and retailers to provide a seamless, unified experience for holiday shoppers, both in-store and online and to ensure that products is accessible when and where customers need it. That's going to be key. So let's go back to our panelists now. We're going to ask some questions. Lisa, I want to start with you. I know you work very closely with retailers and brands every day in in an advisory capacity. So tell us more about what you're telling your clients to expect this holiday season. Well, what I'm telling them is, you know, not only, are consumers more fickle than ever. They have more choices than ever. And it's going to take a lot more for them to come into the store, even though, you know, we're seeing that a lot more folks are shopping in malls. I think it's important for retailers and brands to really get on the shop floor, connecting and chatting with not only your digital shoppers and engaging with them on social, but definitely talking to them in the store, build relationships with them. And, you know, that two-way communication Find out what they want to see from you. Identify gaps in the assortment. 
identify gaps in the experience. What are they expecting from you? You know, I talk about product feedback and closing that feedback loop. I think that's something that we need to do more of. And once we get, um, you know, that valuable feedback and consumer insights, drive better product decisions and better experiences with that. You know, when we think about what's happening in the state of retail today, excess inventory is, you know, kind of top of mind for a lot of folks. And I think what we need to do is really think about the right product at the right time and strategies that are leveraging technology, meeting art and science together, whether it's in product creation and design, all the way to assortment planning and to allocating product to the right locations where full price product is happening. I think that a lot of retailers or brands are, you know, they're stuck in their ways. And we know, like I said earlier, you know, they don't like change. But change is necessary because consumers are evolving. You know, they're evolving the way they shop, how they want to shop and who they want to shop with. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's great your reference to using technology, but also asking questions and kind of viewing things for yourself. I think it's a great mix and a great strategy. So so love that insights. And I think your clients are on the right path with that advice. <laughs> Matt, and I know that you've spent decades in the retail industry. You frequently interface with retail clients and brands. What are some of the major challenges that you see retailers and brands facing right now? Yeah, so I mean, what I'll, I'll do is kind of start at a little bit of a, a high level and then drill into what's happening at the at stores. And so as you kind of think about value, how, how customers and consumers um, perceive value, I think that, you know, convenience and values is, is be, being redefined right now in retail. In, in the past, in just the last few years, Omnichannel was kind of a big differ- differentiator as, as um, the pandemic hit. But now what you're starting to see today and really as we go forward is um, couple, a couple of different things. Autonomy is a big, a big thing from a value standpoint. Hyperspeed is a huge issue right now that retailers are facing a lot of pressures around. And then the kind of the seamless linking between inspiration, education, and transaction. So historically, you know, the stores were very transactional, but retailers are starting to think about how do I engage people in a different way in the store? So I think the case for physical retail stores uh, is being shaped by completely new parameters. And really the growth of e-commerce is actually solidifying the need for physical stores, which is, is kind of an opposite narrative of what we heard even five years ago where we heard, you know, physical stores were kind of being dwindled away by e-commerce. Well, it's actually e-commerce and physical kind of fit together in a very seamless way. And if you think about some of those parameters that are affecting retail stores right now, I like to call it, you know, there's there's a, a fulfillment oasis happening. You know, if you're a store manager in any kind of retail capacity right now, you're being asked to not only sell more stuff in your stores to the customers that are in the store shopping at the shelf, but you've got to be able to completely reinvent how you get stuff off the shelves to those customers through online orders, you know, ship from store. Even here in Bentonville, Arkansas, where Walmart headquarters is, we've got drone delivery, two different types of drone delivery being tested. We've got autonomous vehicles being tested. So there's lots and lots of tests and innovation happening. Retail stores are having to keep up with that and having to be the drivers of that innovation at the store level. Even And you also kind of think about the store floor, and and I talked about that inspiration, education, and transaction, the way that they're considering the the store layout and how you engage people in different ways. 
planogram planning, you know, assortment planning, all of those things are shifting right now. And then lastly, just emerging tech, you know, I, I think when I, when I see retailers using technology to simplify things for their employees, that's probably one of the most powerful use cases of technology in retail. So with all the complexity that's being put into retail with, with how cons- customers are shopping differently, the more you can simplify for your employees, for your store employees with technology, that's even a better a use case for that. So that's kind of some of the things that I'm seeing on the, on the forefront right now. Yeah. And, and speaking of going back to what Lisa said about asking questions, I can't help but to ask questions. I was in a retail store, an apparel store the other day. Great service by a retail associate. She was very helpful, but she was stressed and it was evident on her face. And I asked her more about her job and she said she'd been in the retail industry for going on 30 years. But this particular retailer, um, the resets were so frequent and there wasn't a lot of guidance. And that was her number one challenge with her job. So she, after being in the industry nearly 30 years, she's thinking about doing something different. So pretty interesting and very in line with, with what we've discussed so far. And Brad, since Sazer provides brands and retailers with outsourced workforces to complete merchandising and those store tasks, I'm sure you're pretty well versed in some of the challenges, especially those labor challenges that we've discussed. Can you tell us more about what you're seeing? You bet. I think the goal would be not to wander through the desert, but to find the oasis that Matt mentioned. That, I wrote that one down. I'm going to take that one, Matt, just so you know. Uh, you know, with, with job opening still almost double, we might as, well, might as well say double with the amount of job seekers that are out there. It's no surprise that, that retailers and places across the country that sell goods to, to the wonderful consumers in this country are struggling to, to, to find ways to get product on their shelves more effectively and to take stress off their teams so that they can retain them better. We are seeing several of our clients and new clients come to us looking for new ways and new opportunities to effectively do that. Luckily, we have access to, to resources across the country to workforce solutions that for folks that, that are looking for flexible ways to gain employment. They may not want full-time employment. They may not be, want to be tied to one job for a long period of time. And we can provide those solutions to retailers in order to meet the needs of, of, of their business as well as brands wanting to make sure that their products get on the shelf. Right. Very good. And, and speaking of products on the shelf and products that are in high demand, we're going to turn it over to Mike. We know that the demand for Nintendo products, they never relent, right? It never relents. So your gaming systems are especially in demand during those holiday seasons. Are there certain steps that you and your team have taken to really address some of these challenges that we're talking about today, especially those labor and inventory challenges? Sure. You know, first and foremost, we have uh, just a world-class sales and planning team at our headquarters that really does a great job of, of uh, breaking down everything that we do need. We do a lot of our business in the fourth quarter, as a lot of companies do. So they try to stay ahead of that need so that we know where the products need to be. Uh, then with our Nintendo brand ambassador team, we really focus on that last piece of that you know, we call the last 100 feet, making sure that product gets out of that back room and onto the sales floor and key selling locations. We also supplement that this time of year. Uh, everybody's mentioned a little bit of labor challenges, and that's, you know, no surprise that there's not as many stalkers or associates on the, on the floor to get that done these days. So we have our brand ambassador team to do that. And we also, at this time of year, bring in our Nintendo holiday ambassadors which uh, roughly triples our workforce to have a greater presence in the stores. 
filling those shelves, making sure the store associates are aware of the key selling points of all of those products and out there engaging with customers in every store. That and using the, the technologies that we find uh, that changes a little bit every year. Uh, Walmart Vault is a key to tool we use nowadays to track product in stores or identified inventory discrepancies so that we can adjust those counts in real time and make sure that the stores are open to buy and get the products that they need on the shelf at the right time. That with uh, using tools like Movista to get our team in the right place and the right tools to, to be in stores and address our day-to-day -day needs, which can literally change day-to-day -day sometimes at this time of year. I can just say it's it's constantly an evolving process, but we couldn't do it without our ambassador team. Very nice. Can you go back and, and refer to how, how much of an increase to your workforce was that when you add those holiday ambassadors? Sure, sure. We, we nearly triple our workforce depending wow. on uh, hiring. Uh, we didn't quite hit our hiring target this year, as a lot of folks have with labor challenges, but we focus particularly on key markets, uh, Chicago, LA, New York, and then build out even to markets here in Virginia where I'm at and try to have some extra ambassadors on hand to visit our top retailers and where our regular ambassador force visits a store one to two times a month on, on a regular basis. These ambassadors will be in these locations every week to try to help that product flow more frequently. Very good. Very insightful. So we're going to move on to insights and some best practices, right? So what's really driving these out of stocks and overstocks? And how can retailers and brands get the right products on the right shelves at the right time, every time? And retailers at large are really struggling with those inventory issues. A big driver of those stockouts is actually due to poor operations, shelf replenishments, and execution. I think we can agree here. So some research by Grocery Manufacturers of America actually attributes 70 to 90% of out-of-stocks or to poor shelf replenishment practices. So that is the number one reason that we're seeing those out-of-stocks according to that study. So I'm going to take it back to our panelists now. Matt, given your background at various retail organizations, I'm guessing that it's not a surprising stat to you what we just revealed that 70 to 90% of out-of-stocks, overstocks being attribute, attributed to poor shelf replenishment practices. So how have you seen this play out throughout your career? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we talked about all the, all the different pressures happening at retail stores. And so it's not a surprise that you know, the, the labor in the store, the people doing the work are getting pulled into lots of new directions, lots of different directions, which sometimes, you know, creates issues with things that, that you know, gaps in execution. And so Store execution is always going to be a challenge for any operator out there, any store operator. And, you know, you think about some of the things that, as Lisa even talked about, you know, being able to kind of reinvent your store experience. You know, you think about visual merchandising, the signage, the, the experience inside the store, that all, all of those things create, you know, work for people to do, to be able to execute consistently. And in many times, you know, brands are the ones funding a lot of those you know, placements in the stores, those end caps, those features, whatever it is, those experiences in the store to engage customers typically are in a lot of ways are being funded by the brands. And so, you know, those CPG brand partners, they're sometimes they're frustrated that the stores aren't executing at the consistency level that they'd like. And so what happens is you've got with the labor shortages and all the complexity going on, you've got a lot of different players all going into retail stores to try to do work. It's not just the store associates going into the stores to do work. You've got gig providers, you've got third-party providers. And so my advice always to retailers is 
how do you really get a good sense for who's in your store and what are they doing? And kind of how do you optimize not just your store employees, but your the, the, all, the total ecosystem of people in the stores doing work? Like how do you get your arms around that and, and leverage that to your advantage versus it just kind of being this disparate set of, of people doing work in the stores? How do you leverage your partners in strategic ways and build that partnership in a, in a more robust way? Some of the other things that I kind of think about is just shelf management, signage, you know, planogram compliance, all of that stuff is hard to do on a daily, day in and day out basis while you're also taking care of customers, while you're also doing everything else. So that's, that's kind of some of the things that, that I think about the dynamics that are happening inside the stores right now are just amplifying those challenges and, and really inaction is, is very costly to retailers, to brands. You think about the cost of out of stocks or overstocks is in the, the total, total retail industry. It's, you know, close to $2 trillion cost there that, that is just due to inefficiency or things not getting executed properly. Then you exasperate that with turnover that's happening. It creates also shrink and losses for retailers, which is in the, you know, in the, t- the tune of hundreds of billions of dollars. And then, you know, you have your CPG partners, your brand partners, your third parties out there, just really thinking about how do you kind of bring those groups together and, and operate your stores in just a, a completely different way. That's, that's some of the things that I think about when I think about store execution. Yeah, very good. And I know even planning some of the interactive experiences that, that I've helped plan or that, that our team helps to plan at Frank Mayer. It, we really do, do see that it takes an, a comprehensive strategy between the store, the brands, you know, everyone, even if it comes to contract workers who are coming in to definitely, definitely see a need for a cohesive strategy and communication, using technology and communication to streamline those efforts. Absolutely. And, yeah. and you, Lisa, you recently posted on LinkedIn about how, how retailers and brands, how many of them have downsized, outsourced, outsourced or even laid off regional teams. So this has led to a decrease in the in-store visits and outside audits from corporate. So how do you think this issue has impacted stockouts, overstocks, or other customer experiences, Lisa? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it has truly impacted not only from a fulfillment perspective and, you know, filling this, the the shelves with product, but also if you think about, you know, coming from merch planning, the fact that, you know, we don't have enough brand ambassadors on the shop floor to translate our vision that we're, you know, working towards. That That's really, it's sad for me. You know, I have gone into many stores where, you know, you see great product, but it's not visually merchandised and, and there's no story being told. And, you know, Matt, I'll give you a shout out because I love that you brought up the fact of a seamless experience. And, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit about that where the consumers don't see channel. So that experience across all engagement platforms whether it's social, digital, or in-store, needs to be delightful. And a lot of that does translate into visual merchandising and storytelling. When retailers or brands are truly invested in their frontline staff and their brand ambassadors, giving them the tools to not only for visual merchandising directors, but also the tools to help see things like real-time inventory or product knowledge, like maybe the where the product was made or who made the product, that's only going to increase brand loyalty and trust within the within the consumer and the community back to the retailer or it, you know, the brand itself. I think this is something that, you know, we're we're kind of lacking right now because 
sadly, you know, store staff are, are some of the first ones to be cut. And it's a lot of, it, it's really hard to replenish really great brand ambassadors and train them. So I think this is where we need to really invest in, not only in talent and training and retaining staff, but, you know, just showing them the importance of why merchants and, and product creators are, are building out these wonderful assortments and why we, you know, why it should be translated onto the shop floor. You know, I'll give, I'll give you one example. And this is actually what I did talk about was that a lot of, you know, big global brands are cutting visual merchandising teams and also corporate staff. So we're not seeing as many corporate uh, staff uh, floor walks or them spending time on the shop floor. Mike, I love that you brought up the fact that, you know, you, you really invested in holiday training and uh, bringing staff on board. You know, that training and product knowledge is, is what's going to make a brand stand out, what, you know, from another brand. So I think that this is where, you know, we really need to invest that time and effort and resource into training staff from a visual merchandising perspective. Absolutely. And I'm sure, Mike, going back to you as well, I'm sure you can relate to some of the issues that Lisa just mentioned. So how important is it for Nintendo to ensure that products are displayed appropriately in stores so that your products receive the most visibility possible? and the most access from customers. Yeah, well, I tell you, Lisa said it very well. It, it, it's very important for us. And, and of course, the basics of making sure the product is on the floor is first and foremost. But the, to the evolution of the space, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, we would have flooded it with POP and called out every new product and had shelf talkers and danglers and posters. And the retail space has evolved past that to a much cleaner look. So instead of the small pieces, we were, we rely a lot on overall branding and we try to make our Nintendo sections appealing, attractive. We go for red. It's a very, you know, it's our color. It's a very powerful color. We can, we brand it with our characters to call out our sections in stores. And then, you know, some uh, classic merchandising geeks, such as our, our key products, our Mario products, our uh, key accessories. Try to make sure they're all at eye level in stores, you know, and we do whatever we can to call those out. We have a Mario favorite shelf at Walmart that has our top sellers on it. We're, but we're also looking at, at new routes and new, new techniques, such as bringing uh, digital into retail, because as that evolves for us, we don't want to move past our brick and mortar partners. We want to engage them. So we use a lot of cards and education in stores to call that product out and really try to bring the customer in and the retailer and educate everybody together. Uh, and we're even testing in some locations now what we call endless aisles, which is a digital kiosk where you can see all of our products on it and potentially order it right there through the store, through the retail account and keep them engaged in that. So it's definitely something that, you know, we go from the, as basic as that eye level merchandising placement to looking for with fewer store associates there and with as many touches as we can make at the each re retail location, how do we get the most out of that to leave that lasting education piece to make sure that product is going to still speak to the customers and the associates when we're not there. My team and our team across the country are the best brand ambassadors out there and, and I can put them in any room and, the, and they'll tell you about Nintendo and they, and you will have fun and you'll be excited. But we spend a lot of time in trying to make sure that that is still there at some level when we leave the store. I love that. Yeah. And that makes sense to, to not only create those interactive, those digital placements in store to help educate consumers or customers, 
but also those retailers who are there, those retail associates to give them all the tools you can to help them be able to sell the product in store. So it really does take that partnership. And when you said placement at eye level, do you mean eye level for short moms like me or do you mean eye level for our little littles? It's always a, always a tricky question. We kind of try to split the difference there. So sort of a sort of a, a middle. It's it tends to be like the third shelf in a Walmart case. Well, it sounds like my height, right? Okay, I'll be paying attention next time. All right, going back to our panelists with a question from Mike. So you also have the unique pleasure of working for a company that manufactures one of the most popular holiday gifts, as we mentioned, and this is year in and year out that these that Nintendo are topping the the holiday list, right? So there are there any specific solution solutions that Nintendo is using to really manage that influx of holiday shoppers? Well, you know, it's you're you're right that it's it's year in and year out. So it's no big surprise to us each year that we need to really be at the top of our game for the holiday season. Part of I said earlier where we really bring on our holiday ambassadors to amp up our presence at retail. We do a lot of project work throughout the end of the summer to make sure our retail locations are as ready as possible. And then we want our brand ambassadors free, as free as possible to focus on making sure our, our shelves are stocked, our, those frontline store associates are educated on the product, and that we're making that final product all on the shelf in every location. For example, in two weeks here, we had the launch of, of our new Pokemon games, Pokemon Scarlet and Pokemon Violet, which looks to probably be our biggest titles of the year and a huge holiday uh, title for us. We're going to be out there in stores, making sure that's on the shelves everywhere we can. But we're also going to use, you know, in the evolution of things, we're going to use some initial sales data from that first weekend. And we'll send out, we use our, our, our tools from Movista to send out some appointments to ambassadors that very first thing on Monday morning to get them in the right locations where product didn't move over the weekend. So we know that's probably a disconnect in the supply chain. It's in a back room. It wasn't received whatever happened there, or, you know, it's in a drawer behind the register and we're going to address that right away to make sure that that's out there and available. So that's a, an example of where in the past we would hit as kind of our top locations and, and hope for the rest. And now we have that data that really lets us fine tune where we're going and make, make sure that we're where we need to be to get, to get the best sales results. Right. Way to be proactive that first week, like you mentioned. So addressing those challenges as early in the season as, as possible, I think it's key. And using that technology in, in a way that is really benefiting the overall sales and making sure your customers, really benefiting your customers, making sure they have access and they're not frustrated if they're looking for the looking for the, the hottest, latest um, thing, but not able to find it. So I'm going to turn it back over to you, Lisa. When you were in merchandising roles with Ralph Lauren, did you use any sort of technology like this to ensure that your visual merchandising plans were executed correctly and efficiently? So not to like dump on, you know, Ralph Lauren is one of my favorite brands I ever worked for. But I mean, you know, from the start of my buying career back with, um, I think it was Holt Renfrew is where I first started. So I've kind of done both. I've been with a multi-brand retailer as well as an actual brand. And up until 2018, no, no, no technology, no tools. Everything was done manually. And I, I, you know, a lot of it still is, you know, we would literally, I would be sitting there all night building product knowledge books, in some cases, cutting and pasting and another, you know, points of time, definitely using PowerPoint and Excel and very time consuming, of course. But what would be invaluable for me, because I didn't have that technology. And if I did, it would be a total game changer. 
I would go into store weekly to make sure that visual merchandising directives were translated from the buys I made. And because we had amazing brand ambassadors, even now, I still talk to them to this day, visual merchandising teams and, and store staff, I would involve them in the buys early on, almost like a year ahead, so that they would get a better understanding of my vision and the brand story we were trying to convey. And then product education. So not only critical during the season, but also at the start of the season through uh, sales meetings. And of course, again, the weekly shop floor visits. I think it's really important to get the store staff and the visual merchandising teams and, and leadership teams to understand not only why you're placing buys and why you believe in these, these products, but where it's coming from, whether consumer insights and consumer feedback is driving some of that decision making. And creating looks and styling advice to not only basket size, but also that drives brand loyalty and trust. So I think it's like a combination of things. But, you know, no, I didn't have technology back then. I had my phone, maybe. <laughs> but, you know, I really had great teams. And I think that that was, that was the difference for me with working with all of the roles I've ever had. I really had amazing teams and I was able to really bring them along my buying journey. Yeah, that, that's great to have the team, but definitely can hear that technology could have made that job a lot easier and likely more efficient. Yes. Yeah. Game changer. Game changer for me. Changer. Definitely. Yes. Right. And I mean, it would just it would just help with speed. Right. I mean, if we had the tools that would show not only real time visibility of where the product was, but also translating that time that I spent building those product knowledge books actually in the store talking to my brand ambassadors and my visual merchandising teams of why we were telling the story, it, it could have been a game changer because, I mean, the last thing you want to do is be, you know, behind a desk and just, or, you know, in front of me watching like the Sopranos, all the, like building these product knowledge books, you know, it would have absolutely been a game changer for me. Very good. Yeah. Very insightful. And we're going to turn it back over to you, Brad. So brands and retailers are coming to you to help ensure that Work is completed and validated in-store. How important is it to ensure that in-store operations are executed well? Well, I definitely agree with the rest of the panel. It's definitely more challenging than it ever has been. It's always been challenging, but like Matt said, more amplified now so more than ever. Uh, Mike mentioned certainly seasonal surges have a lot to do with that. Our first and foremost responsibility in our part of providing services to our clients is to make sure that the folks are there on site to do the work. Sometimes that can be extremely challenging in itself, but beyond that, you got to have great partnerships first with the client, the brand, the retailer, the manufacturer, whoever it may be to understand fully what needs to happen. But then you also got to have partnerships that help you execute the work. Uh, for us, it really boils down to, we, we've got to have a best in class data collection and reporting system that allows our folks to get into a retailer quickly, understand what the project is complete that task, successfully document that task, which sometimes becomes difficult, uh, and then relay that information back to the back to the clients so that they can feel rest assured that their product not only hit the shelf, the display looks good, but hopefully also receives sales data. The other big thing about that data is later on, as we go back week after week, month after month, during those seasonal periods, we can react. We can, we can allocate additional resources to specific locations that are seeing and take it away for others where maybe the, the, the need's not there and, and be more uh, conscious of the client's investment. Data collection and reporting is extremely critical for us. Right. That makes a ton of sense. And how has the advancement of various retail technologies made this job easier? 
For us, it's made a world of difference. We're a 20 year old company. We've been very well historically doing certain lines of work. We've recently reached a point with our own proprietary system that just reached its limits. And we needed a new partner to do that. For us, it was Movista. And what it allows us to do is take on additional work and new segments of our business that really weren't, weren't possible for us before. But because of that strategic partnership with that great company, we've been able to, to expand our client base and really do a much better job of taking care of our existing clients as well. Very nice. Yeah. And I can definitely see how that could come in handy, tracking so many stores for, for many brands with limited, you know, limited resources by way of humans these days. I think that's great. So I wanted to thank everyone here, but before we head into some Q&A from the audience, I'd love to hear one piece of advice that each of you have for brands and retailers. So if you could advise brands and retailers to change one thing about their merchandising and execution strategies to achieve higher on-shelf availability, what would that be? Lisa, you go first. Okay, so I'm glad I'm going first because I can't do just one. I'm going to do three. Four, so so don't, don't hate me. Go for it. If you're behind the scenes in merch planning or product creation, invest in the right technology to help drive better decisions across product, leverage consumer insights and close that feedback loop to drive the right product at the right time in the right place, and then invest in tools for your frontline brand ambassadors. Set them up for success build so that they can build deep relationships with their community and their customers. Empower them. Absolutely. Matt, what about you? Yeah, I'm going to build a little bit on what Lisa said. So, you know, she, you commented a lot on technology. I think that's really important. I think what, what I'm start, what I'm seeing in the retail space is a lot of retailers are investing in technology, but they're not thinking about how to connect that, te the technology together in a seamless way. So what ends up happening is a lot of times retailers have lots of different technology solutions that generates a lot of different data, but they don't really connect well together. When we, you know, part of Movista's strategy is to be kind of that central hub, to be able to integrate with a lot of different things so that you have one app, one place to go. So I always like to think about, you know, connecting your inventory visibility across channels real time is really important. Keeping the floor fresh, being able to kind of think through your experience in a very different way. And we kind of talked about that a little bit already. And then lastly, the most important thing, your most important asset is your people. So thinking through how you do training in a thoughtful way, you provide them with technology that simplifies their job. That's the most important thing. And then, you know, transparency. I think people want to feel empowered. They want to understand the why behind the things that you're asking them to do. And that helps empower them to go take care of customers and, and help sell your brand or sell, sell the, the store experience in a different way because they feel empowered to do that and they've they're kind of been brought along that journey uh, along the way. So those are some of the things I would call out. Absolutely. And, and knowing the why, the reason behind why the changes are made or why things are done a certain way gives them some kind of intrinsic motivation sometimes to, to help them want to do a good job. And then they have the tools that they need. Absolutely. And I'm going to just open this up. It's no, no longer limited to one. It seems like there, there are many things that, that retailers and brands can do. So Brad, what would you say one or more than one method? Go for it. Agree with all the others. I'll just add one. And it's in our world, it's lead time. Know what you want, create the partnership so that you can plan ahead to do it effectively. Because when you get into those critical situations where, where time means everything, especially at Christmas, you've got to already have it planned out. So planning and lead time. Okay, very good. All right, give me just a moment here. I'm going to scan through some questions from the audience. 
All right. And if we don't answer all of these today, you can expect some follow-up from some of these questions here. So let me see here. How do you think technology in the merchandising space will continue to evolve? And what do you think is the next big technological advancement? Uh, Lisa, I'll let you answer this one. You know, that's a good question. I also saw another question I was going to answer. Go for it. Yeah, but I, I would love to tackle this, the question that Joyce just asked, if you yeah, don't mind. Fashion um, brands. Yeah, because I was, I just spoke about this. You know, we talk about, Joyce had asked the question, what fashion brands are best in class in leveraging tech to enable real-time inventory and reducing shop floor tasks? I would say that Zara actually does a fantastic job and I just spoke about this, I think, on a webinar recently that not only does Zara have an incredible methodology in translating what the consumer wants and really across all stores. And it's not only that they hyper localize, but they react super quickly. And I think that's because they don't take a year to go to market. That's something that, you know, the ultra fast fashion brands. It's something that a lot of us can learn from. I'm, I mean, that there's things that we should not do, obviously. But there are a lot of things that speed could really take the guesswork out of what the consumer is looking for. Because if you can react to their needs quickly and fulfill assortment needs and drive product decisions by leveraging technology like Zara, you're able to be really best in class. The other thing that Zara does well, just a sidebar, is from a visual merchandising standpoint, they have incredible standards across their physical stores. And what that does is it helps consumers and the community to build their wardrobe without even asking a salesperson for advice. And I think that's where you kind of marry that art and science, but also leverage the right visual merchandising tools. And of course, you know, they have inventory, real-time inventory at, at, in, their, in their hands with the technology that they're using in stores. You're really taking a lot of guesswork out of not only merch planning, but also for what the consumer is looking for in store. Very good. Yeah, I'm glad that question came through from Joyce and superb answer, Lisa. Here's another one that, that has come in from Chris Seal. I'm going to turn it over and, and see who wants to take this one. How important is the booming wellness market? to retailer product selection and merchandising. I'll comment a little bit on that. I, and so free anyone else to comment too. But I mean, so the wellness market, that's something I've always been passionate about. You're starting to see retailers really venture into this kind of this space in a different way. And I think there's kind of a combination of things happening. I think one is lowering the, the barrier of entry to some of these sort of wellness type programs. You're seeing you know, low cost retailers like Walmart bring some of those things to market and, and offer it in a, in a in a price that's way cheaper than what you would normally get out there. And so I think that's that they're looking for ways to engage their customers in a different way by offering some of these new solutions and new products and new services. Also, man, the, the product profit margins in that space are pretty big. And so it's a great way to kind of think through your your profit margin mix and um, offer some of these services to help grow your your profit margin across the box. And it also helps expand your your wallet, you know, the share of wallet with these customers that are um, probably using these services or purchasing these services at other places. If you can get them engaged in your in your channel and your box, then that's even better. So that's just kind of my two cents on that. 
Awesome. And I know we're getting ready to wrap up, but one more question for you, Matt. What is driving the investment in physical retail stores? What is driving it? Oh, yeah. God. Well, kind of go, I'm going to go back to what I said at the very beginning. I mean, the the investment in physical retail stores is going to continue to be important. You're seeing what you're seeing is a lot of retailers are thinking through their real estate portfolio strategy a little bit differently. And some retailers are repurposing maybe lower performing stores to be more of a fulfillment type focus. Um, then you're seeing the best, you know, the retailers that are looking at some of their highest performing stores, they're, that's, that's where they're trying really new innovative things. We talked about the fulfillment oasis, all the different fulfillment options that retailers are trying. That's driving a lot of investment in retail stores. The floor space efficiency component of retail is really driving a lot of like thinking through what your space needs to be, how much real estate room you need to have. I, I read the stat the other day that the more e-commerce shopping that happens require, you know, it, it, it translates to a much larger footprint of space that's needed inside of a retail store to be able to fulfill those orders using stores as a fulfillment method. And so you're starting to see more of that. Even Walmart and other retailers are trying to find interesting ways to stage those orders that isn't an eyesore, but they're not hidden in the back room somewhere. And so that's another thing. And then we also talked about just the whole notion of value and how value is being redefined right now. I think that's another area that you're seeing investment in retail stores to help drive that, that hyper, you know, quick speed of things. And then we talked about the experience of education beyond just transaction. How do you, how do you inspire people, educate people and, and still have the transactional piece there too? So those are some of my thoughts. Absolutely. And I could, we could talk about this all day. And the good news is, is our attendees will still have access to reach out. Anyone who asked a question that didn't get answered today, we'll try to get the attendee, or I'm sorry, our panelists to, uh, to follow up with direct answers here. But I want to thank all of you panelists. And also want to thank you attendees. For more information, you can reach out via email to Movista. So info at Movista.com or hello at rethink.industries with any follow-up questions. Thank you all. And we'll see you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you for listening to the Rethink Retail podcast. Don't forget to join us next week for another episode. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, apply at rethink.industries slash podcast guest. That's rethink.industries slash podcast guest. Follow us on Twitter at Rethink underscore retail and show some love by subscribing, reviewing on iTunes podcast app. Until next time.